And welcome to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Welcome this fine Saturday morning. And as always, we truly appreciate you taking the time, tuning in and listening to our program. All of those of you who have sent in your comments and your questions and your encouragements, thank you so much. It helps us keep a perspective as to what we're trying to do here at Saturday Morning. And it just uh, it just really fills my heart with joy to to hear that you are enjoying and learning and uh, being pleased by what you hear. And so that's my my goal is to encourage you to continue your studies in the gospel, to make it clear as I can and as the Holy Spirit allows me to do the importance of a relationship with Almighty God through our Savior, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is absolutely paramount that you know who he is. And so as we go on this morning, again, thank you for joining me on Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Our program this morning is a, is a, is, is a really good, interesting program. It's a very important program for us all, and um, it's just incredible um, the text that is written in the scriptures on our behalf. It is absolutely wonderful. And the text today that we're going to be uh, talking about that I'll be sharing with you is the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, in the first gospel in the New Testament, chapter 5. It is just a, a wonderful, wonderful teaching of, of from our Lord and Savior. So, I think first the best thing to do is read it before we actually start even discussing it. So let me get into the scripture here and share this with you. This is the what's commonly known sometimes as the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount. Here we go. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for men have persecuted the prophets who were before you. Oof, that is some... Heavy stuff right there. And, and on the surface, it seems like such a simple and beautiful, even a poetic piece at times, right? But the idea that we have to be here is we, we have to be very cautious in placing our Lord's role as a teacher ahead of his purpose as a savior. Let me say that again. It's so crucial to understand this. We have to beware and be cautious of our Lord, of our Lord and Savior, of Jesus's role as a teacher. Because there's a lot of people who will follow the teaching, say, oh, these are wonderful teachings of peace and this and those kinds of things. 
and look at from their perspective that he is just a teacher telling us these good things to live our lives by. When that's actually contrary to what he's doing, it's not that he's not a teacher, but you don't want to place his role as a teacher ahead of his purpose as a savior. And I'll tell you, that is very prevalent in society today. Uh, we have a tendency, and I will tell you, it's dangerous. Because then it's like we're just reading the teachings and poems of, the, of other men who have lived. And Jesus is a savior who lived and died on the behalf of mankind. So we must understand and know that Jesus is first a savior. First. So... We have to recognize that first before his teaching can have any real meaning for us. And we could say before it would have any meaning other than the idea uh, of which leads to despair. And much of his teaching is when you're reading it, it is to highlight, it brings out the despair in mankind where we fall short. And so... Think about it. What's the use of giving us an idea or an ideal if we can't possibly even attain it? You see, here Jesus is sharing things with us that are unattainable in our sinful nature. Without Christ, we cannot attain the things that he's telling us that we should be striving for. And so if Jesus is only a teacher... Right? If he's only a teacher, all he can do is tantalize us, right? He can uh, tantalize us by building up this standard that we can't even come anywhere near. But if, by being born again from above, we know Christ as Savior first, yeah, we know that he did not only come to teach us, but he came to make us what he teaches us we should be. And so, my friends, the Sermon on the Mount is a statement of life, right? It's a statement of life that we will live when the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us and the Holy Spirit is having its way with us, his way with us. And that's when we're submitting. You know, this is an ongoing theme about submitting our will in place uh, and replacing it with God's will. That is so crucial and so critical that we replace our will with God's will. And when we do that, when we do that, brothers and sisters, incredible things can happen in our lives, bringing us closer to God, becoming what God had intended us to be from the very, very, very beginning. And remember, again, the Sermon on the Mount is a statement of life that you and I will live when the Holy Spirit dwells within us and directs us. And I mean, when you step back again, I started to, to kind of share this thought a little bit ago. The sermon produces despair in the heart of an unsaved person. They're reading this. They're thinking this. Oh, I fall so short. I fall so short. But that's its very purpose. That's what, it, that's what it's trying to do is make you realize that without Jesus, you cannot attain what you really want to as well. We all want to attain peace and joy and love. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so again, the Sermon on the Mount produces despair in the heart of the worldly, of the unsaved person. And that's the very thing that Jesus means it to do. Because as soon as we reach the point of despair, we're willing to come to him. And we're willing to come to him as paupers to receive glory from him, to receive blessing. Initially, first and foremost, the most important thing we need to receive in that place he has created for the Holy Spirit to dwell. In accepting salvation, we submit our own will, we subject it, we surrender it to the God of all creation, which is so, so, so important on behalf of everything that we do, everything, who we are, and what we will become. And so, think about this. Think about that statement. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And that's the first principle of the kingdom. And as long as we have a conceited, self-righteous idea that we can do these things uh, without God, right? Or we can do these things. The cor- correct thing is we need us to understand that God will allow us to go on, break our neck, fall down, and, and be covered in our ignorance over some obstacle, Once we run into that obstacle and we think in reality, we focus and we think about what is truly righteous and just, we face the consequences that we are sinners and that we need that salvation. We need to hold on to that sacrifice. We need to hold on and accept the blood of Christ of what he gave willingly on our behalf. And when we do that, when we do that, then we will be willing to come and receive what God has for us. And I think it's so important that you understand that. I think it it is often, you know, our efforts often get misdirected. We get lost in in thoughts that uh, pull us away in every direction, but the direction that we need to go in. And so by submitting and surrendering our will, we can understand what God has in store for us. So I want to encourage you. Again, you're listening to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And also, if you'd like a free Bible, I think this is very important, contact me at Saturday Morning. Dan Brown at yahoo.com. Give me your name and your address, and I will send you that Bible free of charge. My only prayer is that you wear out those pages. Again, you're listening to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5, and we'll be right back after this. Please. Stay tuned. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM, South Jersey's talk station. I'm Jeannie. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And welcome to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. 
Again, welcome to our program on this fine Saturday morning. And as always, we truly appreciate you taking the time and tuning in. Should you have any questions about our program, you can contact me at Saturday morning, Dan Brown at yahoo.com. That's Saturday morning, Dan Brown at yahoo.com. And as always, I want you to understand that the in this short time that we have together each Saturday, it would be very difficult to get the complete thought and the scope of all that we're discussing here in the scriptures. So I want to encourage you, is, is our program to be kind of like the appetizer or the impetus for you to continue your studies and research? And you know what? You want to make sure that what I'm saying is, uh, is of value and correct in the scriptures. So I would encourage you to please keep studying. Join a Bible-believing church that teaches, that teaches, not just puts on a show, but teaches. And I'm not trying to be offensive to anyone, but teaching is very, very important for our modern day. And it has been for always in all history since uh, the beginning of time for people to understand who God is and what he has done for humanity. We have not just been put on this planet arbitrarily grown out of some explosion that uh, put us here and life gradually grew. Everything around us is engineered and architecturally designed to perfection. Everything works in a symbiosis to, uh, to nourish us, to plant, to heal us, the air that we breathe. It is just such an interesting thing that people ignore all the fact of creation and a creator behind the design. I mean, just think about the relationship between us and just trees. We breathe out oxygen. I mean, in oxygen, excuse me. What we breathe out is carbon dioxide. The trees, they love that carbon dioxide. They take it in and they breathe out oxygen. This just didn't happen by mistake. This was a design. Seek your creator. He wishes to have an intimate relationship with you. And please, please take time and pray. Ask God. He says, knock and, and, you know, the door shall be open unto you. Ask and you shall receive. But in asking and knocking, it needs to be with a pure heart. Pure, pure heart. Be ready to surrender your will to God so that your life, everything can be manifest in your life that God wants to give you. Every blessing, every gift. Yes, we're going to learn a lot because uh, we're pretty stubborn sometimes. But my, I, I guarantee you, when you reach out to our Father in heaven, he has nothing but the best in store for you. And always has. So again, welcome to the second segment of today, Saturday morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We're talking about the Sermon on the Mount in our first segment. What a powerful section of scripture that is in the gospel, the first gospel of Matthew in chapter 5. And when you read it, it, it sounds pretty, it sounds lovely. But as you look deeper to it, as you open your heart and your mind to the Lord, asking him to give you clarity and understanding, he will show you the details that are often overlooked and not even thought about. 
So as our Lord began his discourse saying, blessed are, right? Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. You know, blessed are the, theirs is the kingdom of heaven for the poor. And those that mourn, they shall be comforted. There is so much in these few simple sentences that at first glance just sound pretty and encouraging. But there is so much more deepness to it and meaning uh, for you to understand. So as he began it, the blessed are, and his hearers must have been staggered. Those who were sitting there surrounding the Savior, they must have been staggered by what they heard afterwards. Because according to Jesus, right, they were to be blessed. Think about this. They were to be blessed in every condition which they had been taught from the earliest of childhood to disregard as a curse. What? Say what, Dan? Yes. Jesus is telling them that every condition which they had been taught from the earliest childhood to regard as a curse. And back then, the Lord was speaking to his Jewish nation, his Jewish people. And what they believed, you have to understand what they believed. They believed that God's blessing was material prosperity in every shape and form. Yet here comes Christ. He's coming along and he says people are blessed for exactly the opposite. You're like, what then? Yes. Jesus is telling them that they are being blessed for exactly the opposite, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. You're poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, Ooh, and so on. So the first time you read these Beatitudes, um, they're going to appear, as I said earlier, they're going to appear very simple and very beautiful statements. You can repeat them over. And much like the Lord's Prayer, people endlessly repeat the Lord's Prayer. We can rattle it off like there's no tomorrow, but we need to take the time and digest every piece of that prayer. And the same thing goes with the Beatitudes, with the Sermon on the Mount. We need to digest it because we're so used to the sayings of Jesus that they slip past us. Think about that. They sound sweet, they sound pious, and they sound wonderfully simple. But they are, in reality, think about this, like spiritual torpedoes. Ooh, damn, what do you mean? They're like spiritual torpedoes that burst and explode in your subconscious mind. Because when the Holy Spirit brings them back into our thoughts and our consciousness, we realize What a startling statement they are. I'll give you an example. The Beatitudes seem to be merely mild and beautiful principles, right? For otherworldly people. And so uh, when you're just pondering it, you believe, well, they're they're of very little use in this stern world in which we live today. They're just not, they just don't fit. But what we're going to find out is that they contain the dynamite of the Holy Spirit. I'm using some of those spiritual warfare weapons and words, you know, to try to just get this point across. 
spiritual. They explode like spiritual minds. Minds, not M-I-N-D, but minds. M-I, you know, the kind that were in the, used in wars, that when uh, people step on them, it destroyed them, it wounded them. But these spiritual minds, when they explode, they are for our benefit. And what happens is, is when the circumstances require it, we run into something, they rip and they tear and they revolutionize all our ideas of what life is. It sets us back. It's like everything we thought about that we knew in the directions that we were going. Here comes Jesus along with these beautiful, simplistic sentences that sound beautiful. And it's actually disrupting everything that we knew. Oh, my goodness. Everything that we knew. And so we're not called to apply the Beatitudes literally, but to allow the life of God to invade us, enter our soul, our being, and regenerate us. Yes, regenerate us. We become born again. Remember that terminology, born again, renewed? You've heard all those things so many times. It is crucial in this thinking. And so what we want to do when we begin this regeneration process because we're allowing the life of God to be in us, to fully encompass us, surrender all our will and who we are to God so that his will can be done within our life, right? And then soak it into our minds deeply, these teachings that Jesus did. And what we're gonna find out is this teaching will slip down into our subconscious. And at some point, right, at some point, Circumstances are going to arise which one of Jesus' statements emerge. Ooh, we're going to hit a roadblock. We're going to hit a speed bump. And when we hit that, boom, we stop cold. We begin to ponder, where am I? How did I get here? And then the words of Christ will begin to emerge. When we surrender, when we embrace everything that he has asked us to do, when we hold on to him, when we fix our glaze on him, our gaze on Jesus the way Peter should have when he stepped out of the boat. It was only when he was distracted to the right or to the left by the raging storm that he began to sink into the water. Here, my friends, we need to keep our gaze constant on our Savior, and we won't sink. We won't sink. Focus on him. And so to begin with, the teaching of Christ comes with an astounding discomfort, right, in the beginning, because it's all out of proportion to our natural way of looking at things. I know this is a kind of a repeated statement reworded, but it's important to understand this, that the way that we thought when we were in the world, when our mind was in a worldly thinking when it was filled with selfishness and not compassion, filled with greed instead of giving grace, right? All about ourselves instead of sharing a godly love with all those around us. But Jesus puts in a new sense of proportion and slowly we form a way of life built on those precepts. 
You're listening to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We'll be right back after this. Please stay tuned. So what is Talk With a Purpose? It's a lively, informative, number one rated talk show on Saturday morning. Hi, this is John DeMassey. Join me and my guests every Saturday from 9 a.m. till noon for Talk With a Purpose. Heard right here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And if you miss it on Saturday, we replay it on Sunday from 5 until 8 p.m. Don't miss Talk With a Purpose Saturday and Sunday right here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. South Jersey's talk station. I'm Karen McHugh. Debt ceiling talks between the White House and Congress hit a snag. Talks stalled Friday as the White House and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy told reporters there was a pause in debt limit negotiations. Yesterday I really felt we were at the location where I could see the path. The White House is just... Look, we can't be spending more money next year. McCarthy says there has not been movement from the White House. A White House spokesperson says a budget agreement is possible if both sides negotiate in good faith. Republicans want a debt limit increase tied to cuts in spending and new work requirements on welfare programs. Fox's Jared Halpern. Russia's deputy foreign minister says the U.S. and European allies would be, quote, running colossal risks should they supply Ukraine with F-16 fighter jets. America is listening to Fox News. The WPG Talk Radio 95.5 AccuWeather forecast for South Jersey. We have a wet start to the weekend today. Periods of rain around the high 71. It'll be mostly cloudy tonight with a couple of showers still below 58. Good news is sunshine returns tomorrow. We'll have some clouds mixing in. It's a much nicer day, pleasant with the high 80. Then taking a look at the week ahead, Monday, partly sunny, staying pleasant with the high 77. I'm AccuWeather's Rose Tamburino on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And welcome back to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Again, welcome to our program this morning. And as always, we truly appreciate you taking the time and joining us this morning. If you have any questions about today's program or maybe a question about a program from the past, please contact me at Saturday Morning Dan Brown at Yahoo.com. That's Saturday Morning Dan Brown at Yahoo.com. Also, if you'd like a free Bible, please send me your name and your address. I won't use it for anything other than to send you that Bible. It's a new modern translation. I'm sure you'll appreciate it. My only request would be that you wear out the pages. Again, thank you for tuning in and joining me on Saturday morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Wow, we are in our third segment of today. And as I always share with you, when you love what you're doing, when you're moved by what you're sharing, it just moves along and time goes very, very fast. I cannot believe we're in the third segment of today already. Our subject matter today, if you're just tuning in, is Matthew 5, the first gospel in the New Testament. Chapter 5 is the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus delivered these seemingly simplistic words which would upend humanity because the reality of what he was saying was contrary to pretty much everything else we had always believed 
and pretty much what the nation back then, the nation of Israel, uh, which really was a nation, they were under uh, oppression at that point under the Romans, and Jesus is telling them what they had believed in material things, that that was a sign of, of God's blessings to them, that material things and wealth were a sign that you were in God's favor. Here Jesus is saying all these things that are very, very contrary to that. And the meanings with them um, bring us to a whole new point in our lives. And so it's very, very exciting to, um, it, it really is. But to continue where we, where we left off, um, to begin with, the teaching of Christ comes really with astonishing discomfort. And that's intentional. It's intentional. It is gentle when people first read it, and they're just saying, wow, these are just these incredibly beautiful, simplistic words. But then all of a sudden, it's, we see that it's out of proportion to our natural way of looking at things. But just as Jesus saved humanity from their sins by his death on the cross, here he's beginning to give us a new sense of proportion. And so slowly we form out our way of life in line with his precepts. And that's incredibly amazing. But again, as I said way back in the beginning of the program, we have to understand that Jesus' position as a teacher um, is, it, it has to be understood that he's a savior first. It's not just about these wonderful, beautiful teachings, um, because without salvation, without him in our heart as the Savior, the teachings don't mean anything. They're just beautiful words. And so it's very, very important that we really, really understand that. And so the motive that underlies the precepts of the Sermon on the Mount, the, the main idea, what we need to understand is that God loves us. God loves us. And there's a million questions swirling through people's, well, how can God love us? He allows this, he allows that, he allows this. The short, quick answer is, is, is uh, that all things that happen work towards the good. And God's love uh, outweighs everything else. And the destruction upon humanity, the sickness upon humanity, the slavery of humanity, the abuse of children is not put on by God, but put on by people. You have to separate the two. Jesus is here to tell us the right way, but we ignore it. And around us are, are just thousands and thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people who only wish harm and abuse to others to enslave nations, to gather all wealth for themselves, the greed, the lust, unending. And so when we come to Christ, when we see these beautiful principles begin to form that he's sharing, the way to really implement them in us is by then becoming a new creature, accepting Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, accepting salvation so that those principles can begin to grow. But without understanding salvation, they're just beautiful words. So it's very, very important for us to, to understand that. And again, the motive of the mount 
is really, and the precepts of the Sermon on the Mount is the love of God. So what you need to do when we're reading this chapter, when we're reading these wonderful texts that God has inspired these men of old to put down so that we could read thousands of years later, you need to read these Beatitudes with your mind fixed on God. Because that's the only way they can clearly be digested within your heart and your soul. And when you do, you'll realize their neglected side. Ooh. Their meaning in relationship to the people is so obvious that it scarcely, you scarcely need stating. But the aspect toward God is not so obvious, is it? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Add the caveat, toward God. Ooh, am I a pauper to, to God, right? Or toward God? Do I know that I cannot prevail in prayer? I cannot blot out the sins of the past. I cannot alter my disposition. I cannot lift myself nearer to God. Then, I'm in one place where I'm able to receive the Holy Spirit. When I have those admissions in my own heart, when I come to the realization of what God is trying to do for me, I have a choice. God forces no one. I have a choice. And that is so important to understand because people cannot receive the Holy Spirit until they are convinced of their own spiritual poverty. Oh, there we go. Our own spiritual poverty. Blessed are the meek towards God's commands and promises. Oof. Blessed are the merciful to God's reputation. When I'm in trouble, do I awaken sympathy for myself? Oh, woe is me, Dan. Oh, oh, oh. No, that's not. Because when I do, I slander God. Because the reflective thought in people's mind is how hard God is with me or with that person. It's easy to slander God's character because he never attempts to vindicate himself. Blessed are the pure in heart. That is obviously Godward. Blessed are the peacemakers. Whoa. Blessed are the peacemakers. Making peace between God and man. And that note was struck at the birth of Jesus. Think about that. Think about these things. And I'm sure many of you have never thought about it this way. You just read these beautiful things from the Sermon on the Mount and said, they're just all about me. When the reality is, is they are there to draw us closer to the God of creation. Blessed are the peacemakers. Making peace between God and man. And that was the purpose of our Savior Jesus Christ. My question is, is it possible to live out the Beatitudes? Is it possible? Never, unless God can do what Jesus says he can. 
unless he can give us the Holy Spirit who will remake us and bear us into a new realm. Oh, that's so critical. Ponder that for a second. The essential element in the life of a saint, in the life of a believer, is simplicity. We make things very, very complex. How many times I've talked to people and they've made even the gospel so complex. It is not complex. It is your choice to accept what God has already done on your behalf. It is a choice that you make. You simply say yes or no. You don't have to have the strength to go through with it. You don't have to have the strength to put aside the sin that you're steeped in. He meets us where we are. In the place where we're confronted, wherever that is. And if you're in your church or or you're in a group and a Bible study and you're looking down your nose at someone else because you're, oh my gosh, they're such a sinner. You have missed the entire point. We come in the way we are found. He renews us where we are. And he judges. We don't. And I will tell you this story, and I share it a lot of times. When Jesus was with the prostitute and all the men brought the stoner, he didn't condemn her. He said, neither will I condemn you. As one by one, they went away. When Jesus said, go ahead, any of you guys that haven't sinned, go ahead, you throw the stone. But they all left. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He met her where she was at. And so that goes the same for you and I. You're listening to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back after this. Please stay tuned. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. South Jersey's talk station. When you need to know, it's WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and the WPG Talk Radio app. And welcome back to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you for joining us this fine Saturday morning. And here we are at the final segment of today. The time just goes so fast. Again, if you have any questions about our program, you can contact me at Saturday morning, Dan Brown at Yahoo.com. That's Saturday morning, Dan Brown at Yahoo.com. And if you would like a free Bible, please send me your name and your address. I commit to you that I will not use it for anything other than sending you a free Bible in the mail. And my only hope and prayer is that you wear out the pages. It is a wonderful program today, um, talking about the Sermon on the Mount, and there is so much to it. This one-hour program, we really can't even begin to touch on the the enormity of, of what is held within those beautiful few sentences. I mean, it is, it is um, so vast, but when you study, when you ask God for the Holy Spirit, to guide you through all of these things, you understand that this is about our commitment to God. 
it is just so, so incredible. And so again, uh, just as a, a quick reference back into the previous segment, you know, is it possible to live out the Beatitudes, the things that Jesus was saying to all of us uh, on that Sermon on the Mount? And the answer is never. You, you can't live it out unless God can do what Jesus Christ says he can. And he can give us the Holy Spirit who will remake us and bear us, lead us, guide us, pull us when we accept into a new realm. And the essential element in every saint's life, in every believer's life, is simplicity. And Jesus makes the motive of of godliness gloriously simple. And that is, he carefully cares about everything. He could care less about everything else but your relationship to him. That's how simple it is. Be carefully careless about everything else except your relationship to him. Because the motive of a disciple is very simple. And the motivation and what we're supposed to be doing is to be pleasing to God. Yeah, pleasing to God. And true happiness of the believer is found in purposefully making and keeping God first. When God is first in everything, your life is different. When God is first in your job, your job will be different. When God is first in your marriage, in your relationship, it makes all the difference. And I literally mean all the difference. I came from a relationship where I put God at the center of my marriage. I was married for 51 years before my wife passed away last year. And, you know, married as a young man, I would not say that God was always at the center of my relationship. And when I ran afoul when there was relationship trouble within my young marriage, right out of high school, I would say those reasons were because God was not centered. He was not first in everything that I was doing. My selfishness was. My own desires created issues. But as I began to become more mature in my faith, God gave me a love for this person so deep I I just can't even comprehend sometimes the deepness of love because I can't comprehend God's love so completely. But he allowed me to love so unselfishly. That's how a marriage works. When two people with God in the center come together, they come in unselfishness. And the love and devotion. Again, because there's a difference between devotion to principles and devotion to a person. That's the, that's the theme from the very beginning of this, where I'm telling you that 
understanding Jesus as a teacher doesn't work unless you understand him as a savior first. That's so important. And so there, there's a great difference between Jesus Christ, between our Savior's principle, and all other moral teachings. And there's a lot of moral teachings out there. Because Christ bases everything on God-realization, while others focus on self-realization. And there's a difference between devotion to principles and devotion to a person. And you have to understand that Christ never proclaimed a cause. No, he proclaimed a personal devotion to himself. As he said, for my sake. Remember this, discipleship is not based on devotion to an abstract ideal. We've discussed this before. I've shared this with you before. And so many things out there, people are devoted to these human self-realization ideals and principles. What do they lead to? That I, not to anything to, the, to God, and most of the time to disaster. I can't say that people don't find some level of, of happiness in them, um, but sometimes people settle short of what they should be going and settle and, and what they should want. And what they should want is everything that God is willing to give to us. And he gave his only begotten son on our behalf so that we could be reunited with him in a way that is almost unfathomable. It is so incredible what God is seeking to give and do for us. Again, Discipleship is not based on devotion to an abstract ideal, but on devotion to our Lord Jesus Christ. So the whole life of a believer, the whole Christian life, is stamped by its originality. And so you see, whenever the Holy Spirit sees a chance to glorify Jesus Christ, He'll take your whole personality. He'll make it blaze and glow with a passionate devotion to our Savior, not to a cause, but to an individual, to someone who gave his life for you, someone who has been given everything by the Father and wants to give it to you. I no longer call you servants. But friends, Father, Jesus' prayer is, is unbelievable. Father, let them be one as you and I are one. Oh, if you only believed deeply and understood what that entails, lives would be changed. And they are being changed. And so I hope I hope that you seek God in this way for that intimate relationship. It's back to that theme that I share so often because I feel that it's often overlooked. You know, there's many beautiful sermons and pretty words that are shared. But if those words and, and things that are being shared are only about how to get through your life as a 
humanity to get through this or a, a touch on marriage counseling. When the intimate relationship of Christ is not the center focus of everything, you're missing the point. Because you're no longer a devotee of a cause or a principle. You're the committed, loving slave of Lord Jesus Christ. But this this joining and this possession, because the church is referred to as a bride, a loving bride, in the best relationship, kept and protected, anointed, encouraged, and loved more deeply than anyone could ever imagine. That's who we are. That's what we should long to be. Because no person on earth has that love unless the Holy Spirit has imparted it to you and I. And I'll tell you, there's people that admire Christ that say, oh, he was a great teacher, a wonderful man. They respect him, and they have some reverence for him. But no person on earth has that love unless the Holy Spirit has imparted to you and I. Again, people may admire Jesus. They might respect him. They might have reverence for him. But we cannot love God until the Holy Spirit has poured out that love in our hearts. Take a time. Go to Romans in the New Testament. Romans 5.5. Read that scripture. Because what it's going to tell you is the only true lover of the Lord Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit. Listen to what this says. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. Jesus Christ says that blessedness, that high goodness and rare happenings, that happiness comes from suffering for his sake. It's not for suffering for conscience sake, for conviction sake, or because of ordinary troubles of life but something beyond all that for Jesus's, for Christ's sake on our behalf. You're listening to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio. Thank you for listening. God bless you all.